Welcome to this episode of Kendall County Connections podcast. I'm your host, Aubrey Walker. I work with the San Antonio Council on Alcohol and Drug Awareness, or CICADA. I'm the coalition coordinator for Kendall County. The purpose of this podcast is to educate, promote awareness of resources for Kendall County, and to connect people. I've lived in Kendall County most of my life, and I have a passion for this county. I hope you find this podcast helpful, and thank you for listening. Today, we're going to be talking with Kane Jaggers. She is the regional senior regional director for Belong. Sorry about that. So thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm very honored to be a part of your podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, so for our listeners, uh, during this call so far with Kane, we've talked, uh, there's been a couple of things. Um, it's a Monday that we're recording. So If there's a little bit of hiccups, we apologize in advance, but again, we're recording on a Monday, so be patient with us. Um, If nothing else, it'll be comical. So (laughs) let's go ahead and get started with the first question. What has been your most enjoyable job so far? How old were you? Um, And if it's your most current position, you do not have to tell us your current age. Yeah, so I think my most enjoyable job um, throughout my career in child welfare has definitely been working in community-based care. Um, Belong is the lead provider for community-based care for the South Central and Hill Country region. So we currently serve 27 counties surrounding Bear County. And the great thing about that is that we really have the opportunity to be innovative um, as it relates to the experiences our children and families have when they are in the child welfare system. Um, Being able to build up our communities that we work with has been very exciting working with people like you, Aubrey, and other amazing people throughout our counties that we serve to really just educate them about child welfare and help identify ways that we can all come together with resources to better the community. Awesome. So what is your role in Kendall County and what are you passionate about right now? So Kendall County is one of the 27 counties that we serve in community-based care. Um, My specific role, I serve six of the northern counties of our region. Um, And so one of the things in Kendall County that I think has made me most passionate about the work that we're doing is the interagency collaboration that's occurring. There's so many great things going on in Kendall County um, where I'm not sure if just, you know, the residents of Kendall County are very aware of all the amazing things going on in the back end um, and the partnerships that are being built throughout the, the community. I think that it's getting me definitely excited for, you know, looking forward 10 to 15 years from now on the legacy that people like you and like me and others in the community are leaving behind as it relates to, um, you know, building up the community and meeting the needs of children and families um, there that reside there. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's definitely an interesting, it's kind of a different community where, you know, it's a small town. I mean, I know it's growing. It's a small town, you know, you're, you're somehow, you somehow know somebody who knows somebody, you know, you're connected and people, people understand that, know that. And, you know, they just, you know, they just want to help. And that's, and for us, you know, that's what our jobs are now different, you know, things that we're helping with, you know, but we're, 
like you were saying, the collaboration is there. The heart, you know, people have a heart to help with the community in the community. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. I love that about the county. Yeah. So anytime a child is removed from Kendall County um, and is brought into CPS care, it they come under the Belong Network. So we're sp- responsible for finding placements for those youth and part of community-based care is really to be able to keep those children in their communities and their schools, remain connected with their support system. Um, and so that's the big role that we have there outside of the collaboration with other agencies is being able to build capacity for foster homes, um, and even services there. So our children can remain in Kendall County when the event that they have to be removed due to abuse and neglect in their, in their home environments. So is, is there, and I might be jumping ahead and this might be something you might touch on later and I apologize for that. Um, but if there's a question, I got to ask it. So is there a need for more like uh, foster parents in Kendall County? I mean, I'm sure there is in, in general, but like specifically in Kendall County, would you that there's a need for foster parents? Yeah, absolutely. You know, fortunately, there's a lot of children that are removed from Kendall County and other surrounding counties that find themselves going to Bear County in a foster home or maybe in other areas of the state. Um, and for us, it's about building capacity, but more specifically, the right capacity. Everybody or most people really want to foster or adopt, you know, the infants and the babies mm-hmm. and, and those kinds of things. And, and they also experience a lot of trauma, even in the short years that they are with us. Um, but what we're really looking at is building out foster homes that are willing to open up their heart and home for the teenagers. Um, we recently had a youth removed. She was connected with the school in cheerleading, all the things and we could not find a placement in her county of removal. And so she ended up going to Bear County and she's excited about it. Um, It was into an adoptive home, but she was 14 and nobody really, you know, wanted to take that chance of bringing a teenager into their home. Um, And so really working on trying to educating the community about trauma-informed care, about children from hard places. And the reality of it is they're just kids like anybody else, right? And and it, they can come from anywhere, um, any types of households. We have informational meetings the first Saturday of every month and they're virtual. Where families in the community who are interested in fostering or adopting, or maybe just wanna help, right? And they're not quite sure what they wanna do, or maybe they're not ready to foster, but they know they wanna volunteer. We have our informational meetings that offer some information about how to get started, Um, providing babysitting services, for example, for a foster family that is in the area that's caring for children from hard places, right? They get that emergency removal, being able to go and, you know, deliver food for them, like a a meal train or go cut their grass and those kinds of things. So they can really focus on having that child adjust to their home. So those meetings, like I said, are held on the first Saturday of every month virtually. You can find information on our website um, for everyone who may be interested and just sign up and you'll get the Zoom link for that meeting. So why are you passionate about this? I mean, you can tell by the way you talk about it, you are definitely passionate about it, but, but why are you passionate about it? I think a lot of times, you know, children from hard places tend to get overlooked. Um, as a society and a culture, we think of children in foster care and there's an image that comes to our minds on what that child may look like, what kind of experiences that child may have gone through to result in the removal. And I think that it's important for me to give a face to that child, give a name to that child, because at the end of the day, that's what they are. 
they are a child, whether they're 14 or one years old, they're still a child who needs a loving home. Um, I'm very passionate about giving voice to the youth and having them a part of, you know, their experience in the foster care system, being able to talk about, do they want to, you know, a home with siblings or a two parent home or a single parent home? What does that look like for them? Um, because for a lot of our youth and even families that we work with, that's the first time that they've ever been asked, right? What do you mm-hmm. want? Yeah. Um, and so really being able to put a face to the, you know, children that are coming into care, being able to, you know, call them by name. And they're not just a number for belong. They're, they're actually a human being that we are dedicated to serving. Well, it it sounds like a lot of what you're working on is breaking the stigma, you know, not just, you know, just because a child is, you know, taken from the home doesn't mean that they did anything wrong. You know, yes, they do. They might need some extra, you know, love and care, but you know, that's kids in general. And I just, I, I feel like it, it, what it sounds like to me is that you're, you're trying to break that stigma of, you know, kids that are, you know, pulled from homes, um, because they're not necessarily bad kids, you know, they just, you know, want a loving home, loving home, you know? Right. Absolutely. So next question, when did you get involved in this and why is it important for our community? I feel like you kind of answered this a little bit, but let's talk more specifically. So I've been working in child welfare for about 15 years. Um, I started off on a private, private side. So working at a foster care agency um, in the Bear County area, and then transitioned into community-based care after I had a short time working in the schools. Um, And in that time that I was working in the schools, I really wanted something different. You know, the the system um, I had seen was not a system that really put the child first all the time. And I just really wanted to try to get ahead of the cycle of abuse and neglect. Um, but, but it really pulled me back into child welfare. You know, even though the students that I worked with were amazing, my heart was definitely, you know, in working with children from hard places and in and, and the child welfare system. And what I really need, I think, from Kendall County to hear is that children are being removed each and every day from y'all's county. Um, Families are in need in your county. And I think that's a great, you know, piece of the collaboration is that we're able to identify these families in need and maybe even get to them before they have to involve, get involved in the child welfare system. Um, We work with a lot of different other agencies that do provide additional services, such as prevention services. Um, And so we will, you know, refer families to those other services in the community so they can help build around a support system. So that way, when, you know, the children are reunified with them or they get adopted or even before they come into care, they have a sense of community there in Kendall County. Um, Because like you said, people in Kendall County want to help, right? It's just... Sometimes it's, I don't know where to go. I want to volunteer. I don't know who to go to. And so I think that this is the great thing about your podcast is it really helps educate everybody about the amazing services there in the community. Absolutely. And I, and I, I'm, I'm so grateful that you kind of like spoke very candidly, very um, pointed of this is what I need from Kendall County because some like, you know, like you said, it's just a matter of, you know, I don't, I, I want to do something. I don't know what, you know, so maybe somebody's listening to this episode and is like, that's what I want to do. Or maybe they're already thinking about fostering and they don't know how to go about it. So 
I, I love that you just, this is my ask. This is, this is what I need from Kendall County. And then also educating, um, because I, you know, there is like Kendall County is, um, becoming more of an affluent community. And, and, and I think it, when you think of Kendall County and I say you as a people in general, um, they think, oh, well, you know, that affluent community, nothing, you know, there's no neglect or abuse or, you know, no kids are being taken out of homes or anything like that. And the fact that you're, you know, again, pointed and you're just like, this is happening every day. People, you know, kids are being pulled out in Kendall County. Like there is a need here. Um, I really do feel like that's, you know, your, your, your ask is very plain and simple and that's perfect. <laughs> so of course I have to ask a question about COVID. How has, and, and this will be interesting um, because, you know, meeting with, you know, talk, meeting with parents and families and, you know, the kids, uh, how has COVID impacted your work? And this can be po both positive and negative. I think for everybody, COVID was this huge kind of, you know, un unforeseen circumstance and then everyone's like, wait a minute, what do we do? And, and so for us, you know, the challenge really was we don't get days off, right? We work 365, 24 yep. seven. Um, and be even because of COVID in the middle of a pandemic, our children and families still needed us. Absolutely. And so really being able to be innovative with our approaches, obviously safety, not only for our own staff, but also mm -hmm. the children that we work with and the families as well was our top priority. How do we ensure their physical health as we're still needing to set eyes on the children mm -hmm. to ensure that they're safe in homes um, was a challenge. Um, we did move to a lot of virtual formats in terms of, you know, um, therapy or, or different types of services. Maybe families were being offered, um, which really helped. Um, and, but I think that for us, it was more about making sure that we continue to do our job and do it with quality um, and, and safety in mind. And so we did still have to go out into the homes and work with you know, our, our agencies and foster families who are struggling. I think the biggest challenge with COVID is it definitely changed the way children are considered to be placed into other programs or foster homes. So for example, we had a sibling group of four removed um, not too long ago and they had COVID and we had yeah. placement for them, but no foster home wanted them until they well, went yeah. through the quarantine stage. Right. And that's the challenge because these children are already coming from hard places. And now they have like this huge, you know, stigma related to now a medical yeah. diagnosis. Um, and unfortunately there was no place for them to go until they went through that. Mm. But the children couldn't stay at home either. Right. So who yeah. takes care of these children? Um, and in those situations, we do have some amazing staff that go and provide daily care for the children, make sure that their needs are met and that they are being loved on COVID or not. And so that's one thing that I think has really changed the way we, we kind of process our referrals coming in um, because all the providers want to know is, do they have COVID? Is there yeah. a risk for COVID? Um, and our family foster families as well, right? Um, mm -hmm. If you had a child placed in your home and they got COVID, well, now they can't go to school, just like any yeah. other normal home in the environment, in your community, right? The kind of experience. And so those are some of the ways that COVID has really hindered. Um, on the other side, I think that it's allowed us to 
cast a wider net in terms of recruitment for adoption okay. and foster families because we moved to this online format, right? Where historically meetings were done in person. We had match events in person. Now we're able to do them through, um, you know, social media, um, marketing, as well as just having the meetings done on a virtual platform so that anywhere across the state of Texas, they can join in and learn more about Belong and the work that's being done in our 27 counties. That's amazing. So, and I don't know, like, you know, as far as, you know, if you know the numbers or anything like that, but would you say that throughout COVID that calls and, um, children being taken out of homes, um, would you say that it increased or decreased or stayed the same? Yeah, I don't have the exact numbers on them, but I will say from what we've seen is um, there was still definitely need, but it was a little bit different. So for example, typically we see a high number of calls made to CPS hotline um, for suspicion of abuse and neglect right when children come back to school. Because they have a lot of teachers and nurses eyes on that child, as well as right before they they go into summer break. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those are the two times that we see a lot of it. But what we know about the pandemic is it also caused a lot of additional stress on the home environment. And so people who were, um, you know, had a two parent household, had two jobs, Mm -hmm. everything was going well, were faced with unemployment, lack of basic needs, um, things of that nature that you know, sometimes that added stress was the last Mm -hmm. straw, right? And then they found themselves in a situation which they needed some assistance through different community partners or with the, you know, CPS coming in and providing a safe haven for that youth while the family is able to kind of get the things that they needed back in place to get the child um, reunified with them. And so I think that the reasons for referrals have definitely changed through the pandemic, Um, but again, the numbers constantly are fluctuating, you know, up and down. Do you see, it's just, sorry, just random questions. Um, do you see like a difference, like throughout the time of the year? Like, is there like a time that it just seems like it's a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, again, you think about your own home, right? When do you experience stress? Holidays are very stressful. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but trying to figure out what am I getting for Christmas and what is this? It's a lot going on. Um, So we definitely see a high increase around the holidays, see an increase around the school year um, because there are a lot more people, you know, that are working with the children. And then right before school gets out, we tend to have an influx of calls. And that's really because a lot of school professionals are fearful, you know, during school, they saw them every day. They knew they were being fed. They knew they were being cared for, at least in school. Mm -hmm. Um, But with the fear of summer break coming on, are these children going to be home alone? are these children going to have sufficient, you know, basic needs met during the summertime? And that's where you see a lot of the phone calls, um, you know, occurring at those moments for, again, anyone in the community can make that hotline call for suspicion of abuse and neglect. So thinking about, and we, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, thinking about all the resources and events and, you know, things like that in the, in the community, what is something that is missing? I definitely think, um, I think just the acknowledgement um, of the needs in, in the community is missing. I think the people that are in the field, mm-hmm. um, we know the needs, we know right. the gaps, and we are working diligently to bridge those gaps. But for the general public, 
you know, if you aren't, don't have kind of firsthand experience in the field or knowledge of someone who's experienced the child welfare system out of sight, out of mind usually comes, you know, to, to my mind. And so I think that that's the biggest piece that's missing in not only Kendall County, but throughout our, our entire state, right? And I think it's definitely just human nature um, where if we're not really involved in it, it's just, you know, it's kind of too far extended from us. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's very important to remember that these children and these families, these parents are at your own kid's school. They're going to your church. They're going to your grocery store. They're playing with your children at daycare. Mm-hmm. And so again, you don't know what a child who is in foster care may look like and your child may be best friends with them. And so it's about being able to really bring other people in the community outside of the field of social services together to help mobilize the work that we're trying to do. Um, one of the things that we work at Belong with in other communities is to consider if Belong wasn't in Kendall County, mm-hmm. would the work still be done? Would the work of promoting healthy families, healthy communities, bridging the gaps still be going on without Belong involved, right? And I can say for Kendall County, I'm pretty sure it will. You guys <laughs> have a great process going on. Right. Um, but again, if all of the social service agencies kind of took a step back, who is going to be our mobilizer of the mission? That's a, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Um, so is there anything that I missed? Is there anything else that you would like to discuss? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, I'm hopeful that the questions that were asked definitely help, um, you know, educate the community and everybody else around about the work that Belong does um, for children and families from hard places. Um, Again, we have an amazing, um, you know, website. We definitely encourage everyone to go and and look at it. It's um, sgrcbelong.org. Um, We have a lot of different events going on. We are happy to go speak to anybody. I don't even need a microphone. I'd be happy to speak to any kind of group PTA, um, you know, church, um, anything like that to really help help educate. We are working on getting some additional babysitters in each of our counties um, and working with church partners to do so and have some exciting volunteer projects coming up. So um, like I said, if anyone's interested in learning more, we definitely are um, happy to speak to them about the work that we do in community-based care. Awesome. So lastly, um, if anybody listening to the podcast would like to connect with you, what is the best way to connect with you? I mean, I know we've got the website. Um, is there an email or a phone number that they can reach out to? Yeah. So anyone can email us um, here at Belong um, at, our, what, or at our email address, belong at sjrc.org. Um, and based on whatever it is that you're wanting more information about, for example, if you're wanting to learn about volunteer opportunities, that email is sent then sent over to the, the person that oversees volunteer um, initiatives. If you want to learn more about foster and adoption, those emails typically will come to myself, um, things of that nature. So that is like the best one-stop shop to get your needs and questions met. Um, is just to send us an email. We also have a phone number um, there on our website, but we are remote. And so most of it is, you know, telephone, cell phone usage, things like that. So the email is typically the best way to reach out to us. Perfect. Thank you so much, Kane, for meeting with me and being on the podcast. I will put the information of how people can reach out to you uh, in the show notes. 
Thank you for tuning in to this month's episode of Kendall County Connections podcast. If you are interested in joining the coalition or being on an episode of the podcast, you can call 210-225-4741. That's 210-225-4741. Or email coalition at cicada.org. That's C-O-A-L-I-T-I-O-N at S-A-C-A-D-A dot O-R-G. Or check us out on Facebook, search for Kendall County Community Coalition or facebook.com slash Kendall County Community Coalition. Thank you. We'll see you next time and stay safe.